Hi, I'm Dr. Jamil Sayaj. And on this podcast, we're going to talk about some deep stuff. I'm here to tell you that you're amazing. And often, the only person who can't see that is you. No matter who you are, what you do, or where you're from, there's greatness in you. Let's talk about it. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Jamil Sayaj and welcome to the Transformation Starts Today podcast where I interview leaders, champions, and high performers from all walks of life as they share their stories, the lessons they've learned along the way, and empowering perspectives to help you create an extraordinary life without regret starting today. Today we have with us a friend and brother of mine, a mentor and teacher, a life changer for so many, Duran Yitzhak. Duran is an international speaker and breakthrough coach who has created a new coaching methodology based on the seven hermetic universal laws, Kabbalistic principles, and Jungian psychology that he calls breakthrough matrix coaching. He has also developed a new form of shadow work called shadow breakthrough, where he is able to navigate his clients' unconscious minds and help them tap into suppressed pockets of pain from as far back as childhood, resulting in the most drastic breakthroughs in personal income, chronic health, and intimate relationships, because his clients aren't just breaking through mental blocks, they're breaking through and into a new and higher bandwidth of vibrational frequency. Duran, it is an honor to have you with us, man. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, uh, Daniel. It's great to be here. Yeah, just reading that intro, I was just like, wow, this is going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) So for my listeners who don't yet know you, they haven't heard your story, I found that each of us is the hero of our own story. And we've experienced challenges, setbacks, and adversities that we've overcome to get to where we are now. If you would please share with us, what is your hero's story? Funny you should say that, <laughs> because um, my surname, which is Geber, but in, I, live in, I live in Israel, and in my, in my passport and my ID document, it's pronounced Gibor. And uh, Gibor actually means hero. <laughs> really? Enough. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Um, so how am I the hero of my own journey? I suppose uh, if I had to nutshell my life is that I have always been obsessed with the mind. There's no, there's no, really, uh, there's no other way to say it. Um, I remember at the age of 22 being fascinated with the word realize. Hmm. Why, what would change with a realization? Nothing would change on the outside world, but everything would change on the inside world. And today we can call that a paradigm shift. Um, But I remember just pondering on this word, realize as a 22 year old, that wasn't sort of into self-development at the time. I was very much, um, I'd just done a military tour and I was uh, was, was breaking free of that whole mindset. And uh, I mean, we're talking 20 years ago. and I just got fascinated by this word. And I remember, I remember constantly thinking about the mind and the way that I can think, the way that I can express it best is imagine uh, an architect sitting inside a building. And so the architect who's like their mind works in how, how our building is constructed. He's sitting inside the building and he's looking and he's thinking to himself, well, it's amazing how they made this building. And, and he's looking at, at ceilings, but knowing that there's beams there and knowing he's seeing like these columns and knowing that some of them are supportive columns and how they can connect to the foundation, you know, and just these um, 
architectural um, feats, you know, that people put together there nowadays. So um, I imagine if you were to put an architect inside one of these elaborate buildings, how his mind will keep, you know, like be fascinated about the the uh, intricacies of the construction. Um, that's really how um, that's really how I see myself um, as as someone that was like inside a mind yet obsessed with this space. Um, and then in my twenties, uh, I got introduced to a friend that gave me a book called, uh, if you want to be rich and happy, don't go to school. And it was actually, <laughs> it was actually Robert Kiyosaki's first book. A lot of people don't know this. They think that Rich Dad Poor was his first book, but actually his first book was called, if you want to be rich and happy, don't go to school. Um, and, um, I, I learned so much from that book and about the approach to, you know, in the school system, you, you've got winners and by winners, there's got to be losers and uh, um, there's pass and fail and you're tested on, on stuff as opposed to stuff that you learn or stuff that happens. Anyway, it was a really fascinating book and I read his next book, next book which was Rich Dad Poor Dad and, and I got so fascinated by how many basics of wealth creation I was unaware of. And then I started reading more books about money specifically. And I found, I found a commonality with all of these books on money and wealth creation is that each author had their own sort of way to the promised land, so to speak, but they all spoke about a state of mind. Every single one of them spoke about a state of mind. And that fascinated me. So I thought to myself, well, let me look at what everyone's saying, because everyone speaks about money slightly differently, you know, about, you know, what you're selling and how you sell it. And I mean, there's principles of wealth creation, like leverage that don't change, but, but everyone had their own magic source but they all spoke about a state of mind, which was the same. So I thought to myself, let me check out this mind thing. Mm. So I started reading books about the mind and it was, uh, it was uh, Tony Robbins book, um, Unlimited Power, that yeah. I still have, I still have to this day. The yeah. very same one from 20 years ago, the very same one. It doesn't even look like this today. You can't even, you can't even yeah. get one that looks like this today. The one right? I have is just a black book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I bought that book and I was like, oh my gosh, the way that this guy's talking about the mind, like that's how I've been thinking. And like, finally there was, there was someone that could articulate what was going on for me in words, mm. you know, which was, which was like fascinated. And, and, and you should know that there's, there's this axiom in, in counseling, coaching or whatever it is that if you, if you as a service provider, if you can articulate someone's problem better than they can they will automatically give you permission to heal them or to to guide them just because you could articulate what's going on for them better yeah so so i read this book on 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 uh, on the mind and it spoke about nlp and it was just it just like yeah i want more um and so i just just started consuming books today that are considered the classics like a rich and uh, rich dad poor dad think and grow rich uh, the magic of thinking big uh, um Going from good to great, um, the richest man in Babylon, Ogmandino stuff—you know, the stuff that is today is considered the classics. You know, um, and I was just devouring them, literally devouring them, six, seven books at a time. I thought my, I, I stopped watching TV. I thought to myself, if I can watch seven sitcoms at the same time, you know, like over a week, I can, I can watch, I can read seven books. And yeah. and and it's true because you hear you hear the author's voice slightly different. Yeah. Um, and then at some point. I think it was in 2007, I decided, you know what, I'm going to see if there's an NLP course in South Africa where I, where I used to live at the time. And sure enough, 
sure enough, there was an NLP course happening like four or five minutes away from where I live with an NLP teacher that had taken like a seven-year hiatus that was coming back. And this was like the reopening and I got a really good deal. And I loved it. I absolutely, absolutely loved it. Um, it showed me practical tools. It was very unpredictable. NLP is like, it's not like if you understand this, then, oh, then you'll understand that. It was very sort of like, if you get this, then it doesn't mean that you understand that, you know? So I, um, I found it really, really uh, fascinating. Um, fast forward, um, I'm, about, I'm about 28 now, and I get introduced by a friend to an organization called the Mankind Project. And there I learn about emotional literacy. And there I learn about um, pillars of, of what they call the new warrior which is uh, authenticity, accountability, and um, integrity. Um, and this organization would run a, a weekend retreat where it was all emotional process work. Now, for people that, that know emotional process work, they're like, okay. You know, it's like when, when someone rocks up with like a Rolls Royce, he was like, okay, you know, he, chances are he didn't rent that for tonight. But when people that know about emotional process work, they're like, whoa, okay, you've been exposed to that. For those that don't know about emotional process work, emotional process work is, is arguably the most powerful cognitive um, intervention that a person can go through because um, real pain gets to come out. Yeah. And, and, and people, uh, we live in a society where we get told to sort of contain or to, I don't want to say suppress, but it's definitely um, um, hinted to or alluded that, you know, just suppress what you've got going on. The culture we have of, of the antidepressants and, the, and, and pharmaceuticals, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a culture of suppression. Mm. So to be exposed to, to um, emotional process work, it was, like, it was like watching martial arts, martial artists of the mind. You know, like when you, when you see a martial artist, you can just have like, that guy's impenetrable, you know, you come at him like this and oh, wow, you know, there's like all these things, you know, like, like you come at like this and the guy can do this and he flips or whatever. You're like, the guy's impenetrable. So I'd, I'd watch these like facilitators, these veteran facilitators of emotional process work doing in like 20 minutes what like psychologists don't do in 10 months. And I'm not exaggerating for those mm -hmm. of you that have never heard of emotional process work. I'm not exaggerating. So I saw this and I was like, damn, <laughs> I want to get good at that. And it just happened to be that everything revolved around the principles of the NLP. And they were sort of like, they remained loyal to a framework that I have learned. And I was like, oh, wow, I saw how two things could merge, how emotional process work and how NLP, how it could sort of like merge. And I got to sort of like, it was like my first taste of how truth overlaps. Yeah. Hmm. So you take like four healers of different modalities completely and you put them in a room together while, while their modalities of execution may be slightly different. The principles that guide their methodology, the principles that guide the philosophy, they're all principles of truth. Yes. And so, so be able to, to, to be able to actually see a, um, a healing modality that was hands-on, that was completely cognitive. It was the most powerful thing ever. And I stayed very much involved in this organization for six years. And I got exposed to this concept of shadow. And I sort of stayed with that. Um, I moved into coaching later. And um, over, over the years, I sort of went from life coaching into uh, uh, um, 
performance coaching and then business coaching uh, and then executive coaching. It's sort of like it was organic because that's sort of like what life took me. Um, but I sort of, I saw all the, all the similarities. And then eventually, <clears throat> eventually out of this whole, this whole story, um, which inside of it was like a really tough time, a really tough time to, to a place I call the bottom of the barrel. You know, some people, some people get this gift of making their way to the bottom of the barrel where like it's only up from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had that experience. And then at some point I decided I'm just going to, I'm just going to coach because that's what I love doing. And over time, when you really have the courage to take the leap and do what you love doing, just because it's going to bring you happiness and not necessarily because it's going to bring you money. Cause I, I couldn't, I couldn't earn money. I had a, I had what's called a money block. And that's sort of what I do today. I help people break through blockages, but I had a money block. And so at some point I realized, you know what? I'm probably not going to make the money that I think that I should be earning. But what if I could still live my life as the level of income or the quality of life that I'm living, the lifestyle level that I'm living. But what if I could just do something that I love doing instead of something that I hate doing? And it was that decision at the bottom of the barrel. It's like, well, doing what you hate doing brought you here to the bottom of the barrel. So why not just do what you love? Powerful question. So I I took that leap. And it just so happens to be that when you do what you love, um, you grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just to to nutshell it, it, uh, over time, doing what I love doing and then moving to America and sort of being over, uh, over, overflowed with coaches i had to find out what makes me separate and i found out that what makes me separate is that is that i do shadow stuff i i i i know how to navigate the unconscious mind and i wasn't aware of what a speciality it was until i sort of you know became exposed to the sea or the ocean of coaches that was in california in 2017 when i moved there yeah thank you so much for sharing all that and something you just brought up about you know why not do something that makes me happy what comes to mind is oftentimes people have this, at least in my experience, people have this story of once certain requirements are met, maybe it's a certain amount of money that I've got or a certain amount of whatever, then I can go do that thing that I enjoy. And as a possibility for everyone listening, what if you have it backwards? What if by doing that which you enjoy, all the money you could ever want will flow from that? What if you were living your life in such a way that you actually loved what you did you loved how you did it. You loved who you did it with. What kind of energy would you be putting out and off of you? People would love to be around you. They would love to work with you. You'd be in this amazingly wonderful mental space and emotional space. So the people in your life, whether it be a spouse or kids or family members, they'd love being around you. And life just becomes so much more beautiful because at the end of the day, we're always chasing a feeling. Somebody thinks they want more money. They don't. But what they want is what they think the money will get them. And so like Duran said, what if I could just choose to do something that I enjoy, that I'm happy with and maintain my lifestyle first, just doing that, you would feel richer than the majority of people probably who've got significantly more money, but that's all they have. There's a quote that comes to mind, I forgot who said it, but it's something like some people are so poor, all they have is money. And it's like, that's the thing that's coming to mind. And so with what you shared, Duran, when you were in that bottom of the barrel kind of headspace or what somebody might call um, rock bottom, what was some of the things that you reminded yourself of or told yourself that allowed you to float up to the top? 
what, what allowed you to move through that experience powerfully? It's a good question. And I don't think that I can say that I did anything powerfully. Mm. I was in so much pain and hating my life. I was working at a, um, a safety deposit box facility, basically a, like, you know, like the banks, they've got the, the safes, the boxes with two keys. So this was a private facility. Um, and I, and uh, I, I couldn't sell the boxes. So they made me, I'm, I'm really like not chilling it, but they made me, uh, the, they called it head of security, but essentially they made me the security guy. Um, and I used to open and close the gate, the remote control. And I, I had such a fall from grace because <clears throat> all, the, all the jobs and positions that I had before were like um, managerial. And so to find myself opening and closing a gate, uh, it was like, an, it was a type of ego death because it was, it was I found it very humiliating. Um, I thought to myself, I've got like, I've got a lot to offer. I used to manage a massive fleet and I was uh, big in leadership and I owned a restaurant before and, and I started like two or three businesses, like small scale businesses. And I was like, really, I felt like I was an entrepreneur and a, <clears throat> and a manager with, with, the, with good levels of leadership. And there I was opening, closing a gate. Um, so what I knew at that time, I was an intellectual expert, but I couldn't put it into, into practice. I knew that we create our reality with our thoughts and with our mind. I knew that, um, I had read all the books about it and, uh, and I knew everything sort of like on an intellectual level. And I decided I, I used to, I used to look around and think to, my, I think to myself, how did I create this? How did I manifest this hellhole? And I decided that I was going to utilize the time that I had there to really learn about the laws. I thought to myself, if, if, if there are elements that a person can understand and through the understanding of these elements and frameworks that a person can actually like create a new reality, then I'm going to find out how I created this one and I'm going to create a new one. And so I became obsessed with laws i thought to myself if the only thing that's really true in this world that you can bank on beyond perception are universal laws that's that's the truth everything else is subject to illusion or perception you know einstein said this entire reality is an illusion albeit a very persistent one and that's because if you could see what's going on we just see atoms everywhere you know like when you go into the water and you can see like the whole sea is full of water if we could really see what's what is we wouldn't see air. We'd see the air atoms. We wouldn't see like the table. We'd see the atom. We'd see this whole world, this whole universe full of atoms. But we don't see that. We get to have this user experience. So perception is always flawed because we're never really perceiving what is. And even in our lives, we're only perceiving a perspective. If we get a little bit of information, this happens to everyone. You get a little bit more information about something that happens and then the perception changes. So I decided... <clears throat> I've got, to, I've got to like learn these laws and got to know them really, really well because I need to get out of here. So I started doing that. I started learning laws, um, learning the seven hermetic universal laws. Um, and I devoured everything that I could until there was nothing new for me to learn on the internet. Like there was just nothing new. Everything was just the same things over and over again. 
And then I found beliefs. And then I came across beliefs. So when the two came together, that was sort of like very powerful. Um, and that sort of begin that sort of was like the beginning of something. But to answer your question specifically, I knew that I I had to find peace in my body because I would wake up in anxiety, I'd spend the whole day in depressive anxiety, and then I'd go to sleep in anxiety. Mm. Only to know that I'm going to wake up to anxiety the next day. It was really, really a tough time. And I knew that peace is an inside job and not an outside job. So I knew that I had to I had to reach a place where I had peace there in the hellhole. So I started really focusing on this peace thing and I couldn't get it. And then I, I, this meditation came to me. What if, what if I was going to die like really soon? Like what if a mugger came up to me, put a gun to my head and said, I'm going to kill you, but I'm going to kill you in two minutes. So that you've got enough time to sort of like at least find peace before you leave this world. So as morbid as it sounds, I discovered that time or the, the assumption that there will be more time that i've got more time this is what allows the ego to get inflated and to act out because if you only had two more minutes the person that you're resentful to you wouldn't be resentful anymore if you only had two minutes to live all the things that were like no by principle i need to do this or i need to do that if there was two minutes left the ego sits down it becomes deflated and then the soul just shines, shines through. And then you get to say, okay, well, if I've only got two minutes, then like what's really important to me right now in the last two minutes? Yeah. And I was able to come across three constructs of the mind that, keep, that keep me, kept me, and it turns out like also humans from peace. And those three constructs, constructs are um, acknowledgements. So stuff that I need to either give thanks for or give apologies for, or that people need to give me thanks for or apologies for. And until I get or give those, then like I'm not at peace. Stuff or possessions, until I return what I owe or until what's returned to me, what is owed to me, I'm still resentful and I'm not going to be at peace. And the last thing is the bucket list or just a desire to change the present moment. So I need to achieve that before I have peace. I need to achieve that before I have peace. I need to have a degree before I, I can like look at myself and feel peaceful. I need to have a nice body. I need to have a certain income. There's something that I need to do in order for me to feel good about myself. And these three, these three things, acknowledgements, possessions, and, and, and uh, ambition, that you want to call it that, these three things are constructs of the mind that keep a, a person from peace. So in this meditation where I've got a gun to my head, God forbid, I've got a gun to my head, and I've got two minutes. Once I let go of these three things, there was nothing else. There was nothing else. And I actually experienced peace. Yeah. I actually experienced peace. And then I'd wake up and I'd open my eyes and then my reality would like come alive again. And then I'd have to do it again and again and again and again until at some point I was able to hold onto that peace outside of the meditation until I opened my eyes and then I would have to decide to re-engage with my life that was keeping me away from peace. So that's sort of what happened. And then I found meditation. <laughs> yeah. I found meditation after that. And then in meditation, I could hit stillness like this, like really, and would meditate for 60, 90 minutes, no problem. And then things got absolutely unbearable. 
things got much, 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 much worse once I found the peace in the meditation. Much worse, like unbearable to the point that I had to leave. I quit. I couldn't. I, I had nothing to go to. But what became so clear once I found this peace is that like whatever straws I was grabbing at, you know, I have to stay here because I need to pay my bills. I have to stay here because of whatever reason. It all just, it all just like it, it dissolved. There was nothing there anymore. It's like all I've got here is not non-peace. So I'm selling it in a graceful way, but it wasn't graceful and it wasn't pretty. It wasn't powerful. It was very desperate. It was very desperate. And, uh, and, and in hindsight, I'm grateful for it because um, I sort of, the, the framework got carved out through, through my blood, you know, through my, through my, through my, my pain. So I can, now, I can now help people do in three to four months what took me three, almost four years. Thank you so much, Jaron, for, first of all, sharing that beautiful answer. I think it was the perfect answer because when, um, when I added that word and I said uh, powerfully, I think, and then you said, oh, no, well, it wasn't powerful the way I handled it. And then uh, you described something that I think is very relatable to a lot of people. And what it does is it shows everyone listening that you can create immense change in your life for the positive. And in the moment, it might not be you went from apathetic and depressed to ecstatic with joy. You know, there's, there was a process that you went through to get there and it might get worse before it gets better and that things can change very quickly. You mentioned before you had that job as like head of security, you know, you owned the restaurant and you thought you were in managerial positions and you had all this stuff going on and you sit there and you think, all right, you know, it's only up from here. And then you have an experience where you, from your perspective, it's a drop down and you sit there like, you know, what's going on? I know all this stuff. I'm, I have all these skills and yet I'm not creating the life that I want. And you, you asked a beautiful question that I ask clients all the time, some variation of how are you creating this? For everyone listening, look at your current situation of life right now in any area. That situation is a result of either, it's not either, it's both. It's things that you're doing and not doing and who you're being and not being. How you're showing up in the world and how you're not showing up in the world and the things that you're doing and not doing. And when you can look at that there's a level of responsibility that shows up where you go, oh, wow, I can really only control myself. And those four levers right there that I can pull on can shift my entire experience of life. And Duran, that meditation you shared, I think could be really valuable to people. I'm just going to expand on it. So first, there's the two-minute version that you gave. If everyone listening, if you were in that situation, God forbid the gun's at your head, you got two minutes. Who do you call? Assuming you know you have the phone with you. Who do you call? Who matters so much to you that in two minutes or less, you want to make sure you, you connect with them and let them know something that's on your heart. Then maybe we expand it out. Let's say you have a year, one year left to live, guarantee. What do you do in that year? How would you live your life in such a way that at the end of that year, you can go, I used every moment of this time that was given to me to the fullest. I loved fully. I lived fully. I really had a great experience. And I want you to get answers to that. Here's the, the crux of it. If I gave you a two minute guarantee, you're gonna die, but you got two minutes, or I gave you a one year guarantee, you're gonna die, but you have a year. That's way better than the situation you've got right now. Because right now you don't have a guarantee at all. Right now, something could happen in a minute, something could happen in a day. I don't want it to, but it could. And when we recognize that's a possibility, then the voice comes in, well, Am I living my life via procrastination? 
Am I living my life for tomorrow? Am I living my life saying one day I'll do that thing that I love, that I enjoy, like Jerome was talking about? Or do I shift into the question of what if I could do something that I would love, that I'd be happy doing, and I could maintain my lifestyle? What if I asked that person out and they actually said yes? What if I told the person that I'm in a relationship with how I actually felt about them? Because maybe they don't actually know because I don't show that affection anymore. The point being, you don't have that guarantee, but you do have the guarantee that you're alive right now in this moment. That's the greatest gift you possibly have. And we don't know how long you're going to have it for. I remember hearing this um, story that certain type of Buddhist monks, I'm not sure what sect, but certain type of Buddhist monks, they keep a skull by their bed. So if they wake up the next day, the perspective is, first of all, in a way, it's almost like gratitude and appreciation and thanks that I woke up today. Realize every day, 150,000 people don't wake up on average. If you're listening, you weren't one of them. And so when you recognize that, I woke up. Then you've got that skull, though. And what the skull does is, in a way, it's, a, it's almost like the memento mori. Uh, I think it's a Greek perspective. It's like remember death. You look at the skull, and it's a reminder that at least in the physical, that happens to everything. But it's not today. So the fear of death leaves you, and you can actually live. Most people I find when they're afraid of dying, it's, they're not actually afraid of dying. What they're afraid of is they haven't actually lived. And when they realize that, everything changes. What if you lived your life, you lived your relationships from the place of, what if I only had 90 days? What if I only had a year? What if I only had an hour? What would I do? Then go do that and watch your life, your relationship, everything flourish. And God willing, you still have decades. But why not live your life that way versus the, the flip side of it, of you find out you have some chronic disease, you have some acute disease that's going to take you out soon. And there's all these things you didn't do. Like live your life for today and don't wait. And so oh, <laughs> I, I just went off on a whole little thing. So I'm going to pause. <laughs> I'm going to send it back to you, Duran. Anything you want to add to that? Um, yeah. The, the practice of imagining your death is not a morbid one. Mm -hmm. it's, it's actually an intricate part of um, self-development and of successful living. Um, one of the habits of um, Stephen Covey's book, The um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, is, is begin with the end in mind. Now you can you can look at that as I'm look I'm I've got a task and how do I want it to be in the end and then work my way backwards, but you can also you can also um, chunk it up upwards to like my life. What do I want my funeral to look like? What do I want people to say about me? Um, and like Jordan Peterson talks about uh, about looking at death. Um, Alan Watts talks about you know looking at death. Um, it's a it's a really important thing because if you've got only two minutes to live and you're angry at someone, and then in this two minutes, you decide that it's not worth being angry at someone, that's really, really significant. That's really significant. That just a decision of like, now because I don't have enough time, I'm gonna change how I feel about something. That's really significant. Then what was it when I had time that allowed me to be resentful to someone, which essentially, like, 
I help people raise their vibration. That's essentially what I do. I help people raise their vibration from their bandwidth, their current bandwidth, because vibration is not just like a free fall, like a buffet. There's a, a, an end point, a lower point to your bandwidth and a higher point to your bandwidth. And you don't go beyond this. And so to move into a higher bandwidth or to expand the bandwidth, because the bandwidths don't go up like this. I've got like a little visual depiction over here. <clears throat> they don't go up. It feels like that. What's really happening is that they expand. Bandwidths expand like that, so yeah. to speak. Again, it's just visual depictions. <clears throat> I help people break through into new bandwidths where there is more money, where there's more creativity, where there's more, there's more, more opportunity. There's just life circumstances. Like someone goes to the dial of life and just goes better. You know, like you go to the, the air conditioning unit and you make it colder or hotter. It's like, it's, that's how almost immediate it is and how drastic the changes. Um, and there's different ways that a person can raise their vibration. I use shadow work yeah. uh, and an acceptance and awareness of the self of the part of myself that I'm, that I'm not um, willing to look at that I'm denying. Everyone's got it. Everyone's got it. There's no one that doesn't have it. So if anyone's listening, you go like, yeah, I've heard of that shadow work. I want to tell you now it's a matter of time before you do shadow work. Okay. It's just a matter of time. Let this, if this is the first seed, then great. I'm, I'm honored to be the first seed, but it's a matter of time because you have to look at the pot, the, the, you know, everyone's got a Mr. Jekyll or a Dr. Jekyll and a Mr. Hyde, you know, a yin, which I, I want everyone to see, and a yang, you know, a light side, this is a, I want everyone to see me, but also a, a dark side that's there that you're completely unaware of. Mm. So every time you do something that you don't want to do, it's because of this part over here, and the more you become aware of it, that's how you turn it off, so to speak. But the point of what I'm trying to get to is that vibration. We live in a world of vibration. Everything is vibration. Everything, everything. And for a human, vibration means feeling. There's two parts to vibration. Like I said, there's two parts to the ocean. There's the deep, deep, deep part of the ocean that's like unfazed by its surroundings. And that's sort of what we, what we address or what we change in, in Shadow Breakthrough. But then there's another part of vibration that everyone has access to. And that's like the waves. And the waves are completely... Um, impacted by their environment, by the wind, by the moon, by the tide, whatever. There's, so vibration that you have access to, that you have control over are the waves. Mm -hmm. So you can actually decide, I'm going to be angry with this person or I'm going to be compassionate with this person, despite what they did. Mm -hmm. So if a person did something to me and for whatever reason I'm resentful towards that person, perfectly justified, that feeling of anger or resentment is a lower vibration, if you're talking vibration-wise. And if you want to look at the a different equivalent, uh, let's say pH, a low vibration means an unhappy person or a person in disease or non-peace. But it also means that their pH is going more towards the acidic end as opposed to the, the alkaline end or the base end. So a, a, a balanced pH is 7, and like 7.3 is, is really good. But like negative emotions, like when a person is really angry or really upset, really depressed or anxious, not only is there a, an equivalent in vibration that you're in a low vibration, um, and therefore there are ramifications to that as well because you attract what you are in life and not what you want. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, you get to be unhealthy because you're in a negative pH, which basically means acid. There's more, there's your body or your, 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 the fluids in your body, your blood and everything else becomes more acidic. And um, what everyone should know is that in order for for any disease to just be in the body, it has to have acid the same way that a farmer needs 
fertile ground to plant seeds. No acid, no disease. So um, the that piece of like, I can have peace now because I've only got two minutes. That is so powerful because not only am I changing how I feel about someone, not only am I accessing compassion, which is a heart chakra thing. It's a, it's a, it's a heart thing, which is like the center of the energy systems. You know, you've got three upper, three lower and, and, and the heart, which is like where, where they all meet together, where the male and the female meet together in love, in unity. Um, the fact that a person can do this exercise just by robbing themselves of eliminating rather time, that something, something actual, something primal, something functional, let's call it the ego, that it sort of folds or crumbles or something happens to it when there's no more time, that the person actually, their heart opens. This is so profound. Yeah. Their heart actually opens and they experience in those two minutes, they experience actual healing. And the thing is that if a person could live that life in those two minutes, their whole life, they would live a life of dreams. Yeah. Absolutely. Steve Jobs said, Steve Jobs said, if your life, sorry, if your life in the last three days if you're sorry, if your if your last three days were not worthy of being your last three days, you got to change your life. Oh yeah, that's something that beautifully said, and something I want to just add for the listeners. Like Duran said, if you had two minutes left, and let's say you had that anger, you had that resentment, you had that whatever you don't prefer, and you decided in those two minutes, you know what, it's not worth it. You put it down, and then you have that peace like you said, it's so profound because the very fact that you were able to do that means you were able to do that all along. And if you're able to do that all along, then why don't you choose it now? What story do you hold on to? Like, so, so let's answer that. Yeah. If there wasn't the two minutes and the gun to the head and no more time, yeah, I'm going to die in two minutes, no more time. Then in order for a person to reach that same place of compassion, yeah, mm -hmm. they would need the other person to give them one of the three constructs, which is an apology or to return the money to them. They would need to experience one of these, one of these, these, these constructs. And so the, in order for them to have their heart open without this whole two thing gun to the, you know, the person would need to, someone would need to be the bigger person. Mm -hmm. Someone would need to apologize and appease the other party, which is being bigger, the, the bigger person. And then within the construct of the ego, I got one of my constructs. I got one of my apologies or my possessions. Now I can open my heart. Now I can forgive you. Now I can be more compassionate. Now I can have my healing. Now I can feel better about myself. Now I can go do that shopping or whatever inspired action I'm going to act upon now that I've got this open heart. Yeah, it, it makes sense. It, it, it should, to me, the way I receive it is when we make our, if, just to kind of keep it simple, if we make our good feelings conditional, I can feel this. I give myself permission to feel this when something happens. So for example, I can feel peace only after you apologize to me. Then until you do, I don't feel peace, but it's not because I can't. It's because I don't give myself permission to, but usually for most people, they're not conscious of that. They don't, they're not yeah. thinking like that, but that is what's going on under the hood. Um, you mentioned your shadow work and I'd love to give you an opportunity to share. If people don't know what that is, you already alluded to it a little bit. What is shadow work? And how is it that people benefit from it? 
Okay. Brace yourself, everyone. <laughs> Just organizing my thoughts. Okay. So I'm assuming that anyone listening to your podcast is into self-development. Okay. So I'm about to drop some bombs here. Self-development is actually divided into two phases or two stages. But nobody, not, not until you reach the second stage, you don't know that there's two stages. So what are these two stages? It's called in phase one, it's called the light phase. Be the light. Only think of positive things. Visualize. Affirm. Momentum. Set goals. Smart goals. <laughs> and rah, 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 your way all the way to your dream life. Read this book. Read that book. And the biggest, the biggest, the biggest, I'm going to call this a lie, but that would mean that people are lying. So that would be too harsh. Let's call it the biggest fallacy. Mm. Okay. The biggest fallacy in the life phase of self-development <laughs> is that people in the life phase of self-development, authors, coaches, speakers, even therapists, they all tell you that the voice inside your mind that's telling you that you're not good enough or that you're a loser or that you're not worthy is lying to you and that you need to shout louder. That's a fallacy because if someone's telling me that there's a voice inside my mind that I need to fight with, that I need to shout louder and disagree with it and say, I am good enough. That's in a conflict. Yeah. <laughs> that is the definition of in a conflict. And to all of you coaches that have been doing this for like years, I'm sorry, you can't argue with it. If the voice is saying, I'm not good enough, and, you, and the solution is, I've got to go to the voice and say, I am good enough. Not sustainable. Not sustainable. And we live in a world of the least, least resistance. So by fighting with the voice and saying, uh, I am good enough, you're like, there's, there's a lot of resistance there. And it can work. It can work for a little bit. You can, you know, if you're, if things are going well for you, it can work until it doesn't, until there's like the little sliver of life, you know, the 10%, 15% that none of the light, the, the, the light stuff gets to. It's usually money relationships and health or some variation of that or some pattern that's, that's, that's going on. But there's that sliver over there that after six, seven, eight years in the light phase of self-development, the person looks at this and goes like, well, something's not working. Something's not working. And then it's at that point that a person reaches this realization and it, it has to be through a realization or through like uh, some, some like maybe uh, inception. But I, there's something else that I'm missing. There's something else going on. There's elements, there's factors that are important to my, you know, experience, to this life equation. And I'm missing them. I don't have access to them. And it's usually at that point that a person goes like, well, maybe I've got a mental block. Maybe I've got a, a negative belief. And, and once a person entertains that, which it requires humility, because the light phase is you've got this, you've got this, you've got this. Just read these books and do these practices. You've got this. The, the, the dark phase is when a person actually has to come to a realization of like, I don't got this. 
I thought I did. And it worked for me over there, over there, over there, over there, over there. But over here in this one area or two areas where like this means everything to me. I've tried detachment. It doesn't work. I've tried this. It doesn't work. I've tried that. And at that point that a person has to like make their way to the dark side of self-development. And the dark side of self-development is where we, um, we make space for the negative voice. There's a place, there's a place that, it has, that it needs to go. And um, to nutshell it, my shadow breakthrough is a new form of shadow work that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, so I'm going to speak to my, my shadow work. If you like, for, for all those listening, Jordan Peterson talks about uh, the shadow being the part of you that you judge everyone else to be. Like if you judge, basically he talks about uh, pretty grueling stuff, talks about the, the Nazis and that everyone's got a Nazi in them. And until you can get it, you can get in touch with your own, your own um, monster, then there's a, uh, it, has a, it, has, it has the opportunity to come out when you're not being conscious. That's why people will lash out um, in the cars, you know, road rage. That's why people will lash out at waiters or waitresses or at the um, cashiers or people that they, um, I don't know, maybe there's a, a, inferior, a superiority or inferiority, but, but essentially when, also with loved ones, when there's a dip in awareness and something else takes over, then that's what comes out. What, what my shadow breakthrough process is about is really about the voice, the I'm not good enough. That's really what we do. So everything works according to the same laws. There's a law called the law of correspondence, which basically talks about how whatever's happening on a physical plane corresponds in process and in principle to the mental plane which corresponds in principle and in process to the spiritual plane, okay? Um, it's also called the law of analogy. So just like a battery, which is a source of power, a battery has a negative pole and a positive pole. The human being is also a source of energy, a, a real source of energy, because what comes out from a person, a person's passion is the source. You're the source, and when it comes out, a person feels it just by being just by being the recipient of either the words, the music, the painting, whatever it is. A person receives an energy and it does something to them. It's a transmutation of energy. So in shadow breakthrough, we take the "I'm not good enough" or the "I'm not worthy," whatever the voice is, and we we just declare it as the negative pole within this battery, and then we put in place a positive pole which would be the polarity, yeah? So if I'm not good enough, then somewhere in my life, I'm amazing. And that's how, that's how life works, is that you've got polarities. The law, the law of polarity governs positive and negative. And so what happens is the I'm not good enough is actually your inner child. Because when you say I'm not good enough and you allow yourself to feel the smallness and the shame of I'm not good enough, and I say to you, how old do you feel? You're not going to feel your adult self. You're more than likely going to feel the, the, the age of a child. So the I'm not good enough is literally the child's doing, and it stays imprinted within the mind forever. And what we do is we put in place 
it's positive polarity. So somewhere in a person's life, a person is like not just not good enough, they are and not just good enough, they're like epic at something or like phenomenal at something. It doesn't have to be everywhere, just a specific life area. See, these IMs are polarities in this user experience of life, the same way that when you get into the shower and you've got the, uh, um, the faucets and you've got a hot and you've got a cold, those are the polarities of your aquatic experience that you call a shower. And so, so your, your shower experience is going to be some, something of like X amount hot and X amount cold. So these core beliefs, these I am's, these are like infinity stones. <laughs> like to use, the, to use the Avengers. So a person that is, let's say, uh, has a, and I'm not good enough in the, uh, the polarity of I'm, I'm spectacular. Let's call that a performance stone. Yeah. So, you know, there were five stones. Each one governs some aspect of reality. So mm -hmm. let's say I'm not good enough and I'm, a, and I'm, I'm phenomenal. Let's call that the infinity stone that governs performance. And so once a person is aware that the I'm not good enough is not just this fly, this irritating mosquito that's like in my mind that I have to either fight with or try and swat or try and whatever. It's like, it's okay. It's okay. It's just my negative pole. It's my inner child. There's a part of myself that I don't want to look at. And that's where it goes. It goes to the negative pole. And then over here is the positive pole. I'm awesome. Now, I'm not, I'm not awesome as a child. Yeah. I'm awesome as an adult. And so what comes together is this relationship, this um, full circle of the inner child with the wound, the negative force, because if you use the, the, um, the analogy of a, of a bow and an arrow, an archer wants the arrow to go forward. That's what he wants. The whole thing is designed for the arrow to go forward. But the archer only implements a negative force. So he wants it to go forward, but instead he makes it go the other way, the polar direction. And so he creates a negative force over here. And when there's enough of this negative force to propel this arrow to its optimal height, that's when the archer lets go. So the human being is exactly the same. If your soul needed to be a speaker or a coach or a nurturer or a nurse or an artist or whatever, then it would have to have gone through this preparation process where a negative imprint happens and then there's puberty and then everything gets muddled around and that's why you've got the rebellious stage in puberty because everything is becoming the, the, the bad and the good is, is, uh, is, 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 is mixing up. And then as long as you don't die, all you've got to do is not die. You'll go through your ups, you'll go through your downs, you'll go through your whole life, but you will gravitate towards the polarity of your childhood wounding. The same way that as long as nothing's interrupting the arrow in its flight, it will soar through the clouds. But it's only soaring through the clouds because of the time it's spent in the bow. So do we take that analogy and we put it into a human context, a human application? Adults are individuals with strengths, talents, and gifts. And it's with those strengths, talents, and gifts and their passions that they can change the world. And when a person changes the world through their talents and their strengths and their gifts and their passions, that's called self-actualization. But the only reason that a person can do something every day, love it more, 
and never get tired of it, which is what purpose is, the only way that a human being can do one thing and over and over and over again, fall in love with it more, never get tired of it and never get bored is if somehow that specific activity was hardwired in the brain, in the psyche, not the brain, but the psyche to not get bored. And that's your purpose. So the hardwiring of the psyche to become an adult, that when you find this one activity that you do, that it lights you up, it fulfills a void that can never be filled because it's a, it's a, it's a union. It's when the adult and the child get to hug each other. The adult saying, I'm all this, I'm all this amazing, I'm all of this brilliant, I'm all of this epic. Just because you have decided, you concluded about yourself at five, that you're not good enough. So in Shadow Breakthrough, we bring, first of all, we, we bring this duality to the core, to, to the front, that when I'm, when I'm saying I'm not good enough and I'm, I'm angry at myself, when I'm shouting at myself or talking down to myself, I'm not speaking to the adult in the mirror. I'm actually talking down to a child like this, and this child is cowering away. And it's that cowering away that causes the child to retreat into the shadows. Because I don't want to look at how I'm not good enough. I've got memory this from two years ago, memory this from three years ago, memory this from three years ago and two days, memory this. So like all these memories about how I messed up in life. And according to my self-image, what I could understand from that scenario was that I'm not good enough. Either I wasn't chosen for a team or I failed a test or I tried to do something and I never, it, it never happened. Whatever it is, there's, there's many, 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 many shadow beliefs that I don't want to speak about by name. So I'm just using the most famous one, which is I'm not good enough. But essentially, you could not have been the adult that you are with the opportunity to change your life and to change everyone's life around you that is interested in your message. That could never have happened without the negative. And what the light phase is doing is saying is like, don't worry about this whole dynamic here. You just be the adult. You speak to yourself nicely and you go. And that voice that's telling you that you're not good enough, you shout louder. What that means is that instead of speaking nicely to an, an inner child that's going like, this, oh, I'm not good enough. And he like literally feels all the shame that you feel because the, the child and the adult is still the same person. There's a duality inside, but there's still a, 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 a collective singularity that's still one person. So to use the example that you said before, when you say like, when I have this, then I'll feel good about myself. Or when I have this, then I'll make this plan. I'll do this with my life and I'll start living. Yeah. Because everyone's got this. I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z that I want to do because in six months, when my, when, when my boat arrives, you know, when my ship comes in, that's when I'll start, that's when I'll start hiking or that's when I'll start picnicking or that's when I'll start going on, like to take that extra curriculum or explore that hobby. When I have, when things are ideal for me. Now, there's an adult thing, there's an adult way of saying this, or a coaching way of saying this, like, what would your life look like if you just did it, or just did it, or just go for it, and motivation. But the truth of what's going on here is that if a person is not going to do something because the underlying, underlying is, I'm not good enough, and I have to be good enough by achieving that, and achieving that, and achieving that, and when I achieve that, then I'll prove to myself that I'm phenomenal, and not just not good enough, this conditionality of I will live my life, accept myself, love myself, do whatever, only when, and then a condition, what I'm actually saying, this is so profound, guys, if you're still here, this is the bomb, what I'm actually saying is that here's my inner child, inner child, 
I will love you and I will accept you when you no longer stink of I'm not good enough. Yeah? Because I'm not good enough as the child. The adult's wearing it. But if I said to you, sink into I'm not good enough. Feel it. Allow it to be free in your body. How, how old do you feel? You're not going to say, I feel my age. It's just, it's absolutely impossible. It doesn't exist. Which means we're talking about the inner child. So this relationship, this relationship of adults and inner child and this, this changing of how I speak to the child, it causes the child to come out and then the void, the void lessens. You know, so the inside, every person, there's a void. If you, if, if, if like, I'm sure your listeners know what the void is because the void is where we try to fill, you know, stuff it with things, either with highs or with drugs or with achievement, or with money or with trophies. There's something that's going to fill the void. But the void actually emanates. It's the actual distance between the I that's doing the verb, that's doing the loving, that's doing the hating, and the self that's getting hated or getting loved. So as long as, long as I'm not willing to really look at this, I'm not good enough, because everyone told me that it's nothing, it's a lie, and I need to shout louder. In the meantime, I'm neglecting my inner child. And what happens in shadow breakthrough is that once we have a look at this, and, and, and there's, a, there's a, obviously this whole process, but once I can integrate my I'm not good enough with my I'm spectacular or phenomenal, whatever the positivity is, for everyone it's a different word, there's an inner embrace between my adult self and my inner child. And when there's this inner embrace, the void closes. Yeah. No, more, no more addictions. So what is shadow work? Shadow work is shining the light of awareness on the parts of me that I judge to be not good enough, to be ugly, to be whatever it is, where I, I actually, I've already judged myself. I've already condemned myself and I already resent myself for these shadow beliefs. And so sh shadow work is about, is about integrating this own part self. Shadow breakthrough specifically is about what to do with the I'm not good enough. Yeah. I absolutely love, love, love your passion. Man. Anyone who's watching this on video got to really see it. <laughs> and anyone who's just listening, you still heard it. And I'm sure you felt it too. Two things that came to mind while you were sharing that. So as you mentioned, you know, as close to in, like in, in actuality, we are one being. But in a felt experience, it's almost like we can be fragmented. We can have parts. And Not from, almost. Yeah. That's exactly what's going on. Yeah. And internally, healing is becoming whole. Heal is seeing you in totality and not having that internal conflict. It reminds me of a Carl Jung quote. I'm going to paraphrase it. But something to the extent of until you make the unconscious conscious, it will run your life and you will call it fake. And direct your life but otherwise spot on yeah so there you go <laughs> and so from that space you know well this is just the way that i am not realizing you haven't made what's unconscious those un those beliefs about yourself that, that you've had for decades that you're not even aware of and that's causing you to sabotage your relationships now whether with health with money with intimacy like jaron was saying earlier and if you made those conscious you shine the light of awareness on it you go through that healing process, you become integrated, you become whole, what could happen? And it's like 
a lot of amazing things. <laughs> a lot of amazing video. things. Like we, we've seen miracles, like people doubling, tripling, quadrupling, pentupling, which is time five, octupling, <laughs> which is times eight. And I don't know what the word is for 10x. Yeah, but I've seen people 10x their income. Yeah. I've seen people heal miraculously from like chronic illnesses, even, even cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, seen, I've really just seen miracles. You know, I've got a, I've, I've got an analogy that I, I really want to, I really want to uh, mention now. Um, yes. Really want to mention that sort of really like discusses what, uh, not just, not just shadow work, but like unconscious work, because we, we're coming to a place in this, in, 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 in our, in our humanity where we have to become aware of the concealed elements that govern our experience. You know, in, 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 in the non-self-development world, like in the tertiary world, if you want to become a doctor, an architect, uh, an engineer, uh, an astronaut, uh, uh, a scientist, a physicist, all of them basically train you in stuff that you can't see. All of them train you in the concealed and not the revealed. You know, I, I happen to be, I have to be a Hasidic Jew and I'm very much into Kabbalah and mysticism. So I, for me, it makes sense that like to, to, to know what goes under the ground, but like who's going to hire an architect that doesn't know anything about, about, about digging foundations? Who's going to, who's going to hire an electrician that doesn't know about subterranean, you know, piping and, you know, like uh, it just, it, it doesn't make sense. A doctor, a doctor basically studies the mysticism of the body, <laughs> you know? So we're moving into a place and time where I think that everybody, everybody has to venture to the dark side now. The dark side is where the real light is because with the lights, you own, we human beings have um, emotional photosynthesis. Yeah, photosynthesis is like this desire of all, of all plantations to move towards to more, the vegetable kingdom, to, more, to move towards the sun or to move towards light. The human being does exactly the same thing. We move towards pleasure and away from pain. We think about good things and not about bad things. We want to be our self-image and not anything else. And if there is something that we sort of find a way to like minimize how bad it was or whatever. But this is the analogy of what, of what um, unconscious work and shadow breakthrough and just unconscious work, you know, going beyond what you can see. Imagine you had a garden. You got, a, you got a house, you got a garden and you love your garden. It's got, be- got a beautiful lawn. The beautiful uh, landscaping, flowers, whatever. And one day you walk outside and instead of seeing your beautiful flowers and your beautiful lawn, you see um, the, whole, the whole garden is full of sewage water. And you know it's sewage water because you can smell it. So there's two realities here. The first reality is if you're completely unaware of what's really going on, you may think that your experience of the problem, meaning the sewage water, is the actual problem. And so then the solution to that would be to put on your Wellington boots to get a big bucket and to start bucketing this water out of your garden, you know, and throwing it over the fence or whatever, not your neighbors, but you know what I mean? Just like bucketing and throwing the sewage water out. That's if you're unaware of what's really going on. You've just got your perception, what's revealed. But if you had an understanding of, let's call them the laws or like the town planning infrastructure and according to that, you know that there's a subterranean um, municipal pipe, a big one that's got sewage in it. And that there's probably a, a crack in that and all the water's come up. Now your, your approach to the problem is completely different. You're not going to put on Wellingtons. You're going to call a plumber that knows how to dig. And then you, 
find the right person, he digs underground, meaning he makes the concealed, revealed, like a shadow worker or a shadow guy. And then they and then they find the real problem, not just the experience, the real problem, problem, the cause, the source of the experience. Okay, I'm just using problem. I mean, there's no problems in humanity. There's just experiences. But then once you identify the actual source of the experience that you don't want, the experience clears itself up. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with shadow work and with shadow breakthrough, is that whatever's going on in your life, if you've got a money problem, I don't help you deal with money. I happen to be a business coach that I'm, I, know, I know money well, but I don't teach people about money. I teach people about self-acceptance and yet their income can explode. Yeah. So that's what, that's what it's about. There's, there's the experience of the problem. Let's call it the, the pattern or the blockage. And then the solution to that problem lies within self-acceptance of your own inner child. Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought indeed? And so um, I would love to, if you could share with us, I know you have a powerful video on YouTube that I recommend everyone check out about the difference between a victim mentality and a creator mentality. Could you give us like a general overview of what that means for people who aren't sure? Sure. Um, so that video is called uh, Victim Mentality, The Greatest Illusion Known to Mankind. It's a 27 minute, 27 minute video on, uh, on YouTube. It's also, um, it's also available on my website, breakthroughmatrix.com. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a nutshell, um, because it's a very detailed, very detailed and very information-packed video that if you're going to watch, you, you might want to watch it more than once. First time, don't take any notes. And from the second and third time, you can take notes. In a nutshell, victim mentality, I call it the greatest illusion known to mankind because it's all based on perception and we all have it. So just like in the Matrix, where there was a red pill and a blue pill, yeah? Victim mentality is the blue pill. Victim mentality is when you get to not have your peace because of a justified reason. So something happened, I, ha- I, I felt detriment afterwards. And if I can trace it to someone, then that someone is responsible for my detriment. I blame that person because everything was fine beforehand. It just makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. And to take this to the furthest and most extreme example, if let's say, God forbid, someone, someone was, uh, was hit by a car and they had to have one of their limbs amputa- amputated, and then the, they'd be pretty resentful towards the driver, right? But let's say the driver went to jail and in jail, the driver got, beaten up and then killed so you could say that like justice will serve on many levels for the amputee but if the amputee is still angry with a dead person then it 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 it, it, it can't be it can't be that their perception and that and that all of their thinking that's right lands them in a place of resentment towards a person that's now dead let's just say according with this example so now, if a person understands everything and perceives everything right or correctly, they should have peace. <laughs> they should have peace. Just like in the, in the two minutes, yeah? The two minutes with the gun, you have, at the end of it, you've got peace. So I go into this, I go into um, an analogy of, I explain what a paradigm is, which I'm not going to explain now, but um, I go into this analogy of, Victim mentality is basically when I perceive that in the greater cause and effect of life, so cause and effect, that life is on the cause side, throwing stuff at humans, sometimes strawberries, which no one minds, and sometimes lemons, and then there's a whole philosophy about what to do when life throws you lemons. 
And then, so there's life on the core side and human beings on the effect side. Okay, and this is what it feels like sometimes that life is throwing stuff. So it feels like life on the core side, human beings on the effect side. That misunderstanding is victim mentality. When you think that life happens to humans for better or for worse, that means that I am a victim of life. And that's victim mentality. And I explain in this video that it doesn't just mean someone that whines and complains, because that's what a lot of people think victim mentality is. That victim mentality actually is this paradigm of life is happening to human beings. In the video, I explain, I give this analogy about a whole group of people that are on a, on a, a camping site. And then there's like three or four snipers that are hidden in the mountains and they're shooting at them. And now they're really under fire by life. So out of this calamity, there'll be two types of people that emerge from this paradigm of we're under fire by life. Life happens to humans. From this, from this, this paradigm, two types of people emerge, a positive, which is the rescuer. Come on, guys, we can do it. Everything's going to be okay. And the victim. Oh my gosh, we're doomed. So the one is positive, expansive. Come on, everything's going to be okay. And the other one is magnetic, negative, and like completely paralyzed. Can't move, we're going to die. And when how these two interact is basically the whole story of victim mentality. And it's called an illusion because it all just makes sense. So if that's the illusion and that's the victim mentality, then what's the opposite? It's not victor mentality, like a lot of people think, because a victor is just a rescuer, still believes that life is happening to us, just a great attitude. The opposite of victim mentality is creator mentality. And in creator mentality, a person realizes that life is not on the cause side and humans on the effect side. In fact, it's the other way around. I've got my vibration. And my, my vibration emits a signal. And the whole universe responds to my vibration. The whole universe is a mere response mechanism that manifests my vibration through people. So creative mentality is human vibration or human life experience. So it's actually the opposite. And that's the true, once you truly understand that, you go, okay, hold on a second. Everything in my life, everything from the thing that I love the most to the thing that I hate the most, this whole composite, this whole stew that's called my life, it's a response to my vibration. And once you can truly understand that, number one, you can't really blame anyone for anything. You can hold people responsible. I'm not saying that you should like just, you know, like, to just be a, a, a doormat. You can hold people responsible and you can definitely decide who you want to spend time with and who you don't want to spend time with, who you want to give your energy to and who you don't. But I'm saying blaming, blaming my detriment is because of you. That's victim mentality. And a victim will always attract a, res a rescuer. And if you go and watch the video, your mind will be blown at the narratives of the rescuer and the, the rescuer slips into what's called a tyrant. And the victim, and when the victim slips into the tyrant, their rants and the narratives—it's—it's—it's it's, um, it's uncanny. It's mind blowing. But um, essentially, it's a—it's a very eye-opening, uh, eye-opening video. And uh, that's the basis of any any transformation. The basis of any breakthrough is just waking up from victim mentality and accepting where you are, and that your whole life is because of you. And therefore, your whole breakthrough, your whole change, your whole transformation can be and will be because of you. So first of all, I highly, highly, highly recommend everyone go to Duran's website, look him up on YouTube. He's got a bunch of videos that I think I've watched probably 10 times each <laughs> that I very much enjoyed. 
And I trust every one of you will get the same type of benefit, if not more. Um, something you just said reminds me of this old expression, you are the greatest problem you'll ever have. And that's also, it's good news too, because you're also the greatest solution. And when you can realize that, you know, Duran said it earlier and I alluded to it as well, how am I creating whatever my current situation is? And again, some people, if they're in their ego, too attached to it, they get defensive. What do you mean? How am I? It's not my fault. They're taking it as blame, shame, uh, guilt. It's not that. It's the responsibility. When we break the word up, it's the ability to respond. If my life isn't the way I'd like it to be, I can do something about that via those four levers I talked about earlier, the actions that I take and don't take, and who I'm being and not being. Another way of saying who I'm being is kind of like the vibration that Duran's talking about. But from that level of doing, Notice like what are the actions I take and don't take that perpetuate the circumstances that I don't want. And when we can really sit in that, there's a level of ownership of creator or responsibility that we can take that shifts everything. But just like before, if, if, if I can't feel peace until, the, uh, until that person says, I'm sorry, then I don't feel peace in that same kind of way. If I can't be successful or life can't be the way I want it to be until all these external things happen, I might be waiting around forever. But if I take that back and say, no, 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 I get to determine what my life looks like and using those four levers really shift my whole immediate experience of life. It's incredible how quickly life can change. And sometimes we get too ahead of ourselves, like 50 steps down the road, just focus on this moment and focus on what is the next step I can take towards what excites me, towards what I would love. And if you just did that one step ahead of the next, it reminds, it reminds me of that Martin Luther King Jr. quote where he said, um, just take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. And when we think we have to see the whole staircase, we hold ourselves back. And so, you know, Duran, you know, this podcast is called Transformation Starts Today. And the foundation of my work is helping people create an extraordinary life without regret. Can you please share with us, how would you advise anyone listening to do that? Can you be more specific with the question to, to, to do... To create, to, to, if somebody to, wanted to, to transform. Create, yeah, if somebody wanted to create an extraordinary life without regret, and you only had, you know, a couple sentences to let them to share something. What would that be? Ah, beautiful. It was Buckminster Fuller that said, "We cannot create a new reality by fighting our current one. Mm. You must create a new model of reality." that renders your previous one as obsolete. Yeah. So what that means is there's a, time for, there's a time for trying harder and there's a time for healing. Um, when, you, when you think you've got it and you, all you need is a coach to keep you accountable and, and sort of like take you on a linear journey, then you'll get what you need. But at some point the linear journey doesn't cut it and you need someone that can give you a paradox or that can um, introduce you or, or help you recognize the paradox. And it's with that paradox that you change, you change your thinking, mm. you change your thinking. So if I had to say, if I had to say, how can a person start, um, start um, a journey of meaningful transformation? First of all, first and foremost, work on trusting that the laws work together in, in, this, in, this, uh, in this entity that some may call God, other may call the universe, other may call source. Um, 
and that and that there is there is a connection to this to this entity there is a connection to this and the only way the only real way out of victim mentality is to know that the universe has your back the universe has your back because um the faith turns into belief the same way that a seed turns into a tree so it's really important to have faith that the universe has your back and that whatever you're going through if you're going through a tough time it's not for nothing it's the it's the arrow waiting for a point of release and that'll come um and and most importantly is don't decide how you're going to pay your bills don't decide how you're going to don't don't worry about how you're going to support your lifestyle decide the type of life that you want decide the type of clients that you want decide what type of life would i need would i would i would i be living in order for me to wake up and feel really excited about life design your life don't design don't design your income I love when you shared that Buckminster Fuller quote and just kind of paraphrasing the end of it, rather than resist and fight what currently is, create something new. And one way that I often share with clients that I'd love to share with everyone listening, whatever it is that you want, think about you know a year from now, five years from now, 10 years, whatever that big goal might look like in various areas of your life, financially, et cetera. The current version of you can't create that. And the reason is because if it could, it would have already. The current version of you can create the life that you have right now, which means that if you don't like what you have right now, that version of you needs to die. And when you let that version of you go by stepping into who would I need to be? A simple example, when I'm working with clients, I help them recreate their identity and how they show up in the world. And we do that kind of excavation, that deep work that Jaron's talking about. And coming from this place of, let's say, somebody wanted to identify, let's say they're a father. I am the world's greatest father. That's a way of being. And if we were to step into that, well, how would the world's greatest father act right now? Well, he, he might do these 10 things. And you look at their life as it currently is, and you're not doing any of those things right now. And so you could say, I am the world's greatest father in this place, but you know, it's a lie. So you're sitting there going, that doesn't feel right. I'm ignoring, I'm kind of like pushing the light side of it, like you were saying. But if you do that deep work first and you release the guilt and the shame and the blame and all that, the, the limiting beliefs, and now you're left with this, well, I could moment by moment, choose to be that by identifying with it, acting in accordance with it, being in perfect alignment with that. And then fast forward a day, a week, a month, a year, a decade, your relationship with your kids is so different than it's been beforehand. Because rather than resist as it is currently, you just kind of abandon as it is currently and you get clear, what do I want? Start being that now and stop waiting. And, and so something that's coming up, that I love that you brought this up earlier, because I, I wanted to ask you this, and it works so well, that idea of the gun to your head, you've got two minutes. If you were in your final moments, and this was the last opportunity that you had to share or help, share anything or help anyone right now, the people who are listening, what would you want to make sure they knew before you left this earth? Are you asking me as a person? Yes. Yeah. Is there anyone or what would I say? Is there anything that you would say to people where you knew, given everything I've ever learned in my life, given my life experience, 
there's people who are hearing me right now, and this is the last time they're ever going to hear from me. What would I want them to be left with? Everything, everything, bar nothing, is a function or derivative of how much you accept or don't accept yourself as you are right now. Mm. I'm uh, smiling as I hear that because I, I have tears in my eyes right now, actually. I really love that answer. And I hope that some people heard that and it just hit them right in the heart. And some people heard that it might've went over your head. And you're like, why is this guy have tears in his eyes? <laughs> Re-listen to what Duran just said and really be with that. That's a beautiful, beautiful answer. Yeah. I deeply hope everyone dives into that. Explore. You can journal about that for hours. Just explore that. I'm going to do that. I'm excited. So thank you, man, for sharing that. And so this has been such a wonderful conversation and there was a lot more. That I wanted to ask you about. And I know we're, we're coming up to the top of the hour. Um, I do want to, again, make that strong, strong, strong encouragement and invitation to everyone to check out those videos on YouTube and Duran's website. And he'll bring those up again in a moment. But he, you know, he, he mentioned the universal laws a couple of times. And it's very powerful to know what those are, how they work, living in alignment with them. He shares so much from his heart that you could find on YouTube, on his website about those. And I really recommend you go and dive into those. And so Duran, what are you excited about now that you're working on? Um, so I've got a, um, a YouTube ad that's in the process that um, um, I had no idea how much uh, goes into these YouTube ads. Um, but essentially uh, I'm very proud of my uh, learning website that I've, that I've, uh, I've got up for a few months now. It's a breakthroughmatrix.com. It's a learning website. So there's a lot of free stuff there. All of my, all of my slides uh, and, and coaching diagrams, um, they're available there for a free download. A lot of the, there's a lot of free stuff there. I really, um, I've only charged for, for stuff that uh, there's a specific level of facilitation or a specific level of value, but essentially I really want people to know the stuff for free. Um, so um, you can engage with my content um, in packages on breakthroughmatrix.com. And uh, my, YouTube, uh, my YouTube channel is, uh, it's um, Doron Gieber, G-E-B-E-R. Um, it, it'll, it'll show up as Doron Yitzchak. I've, I've, uh, I'm going through a, uh, a, a, um, an embrace of my, of my, uh, my ethnicity and uh, my Jewish heritage and uh, embracing the name that I was given when I was born, which is Doron Yitzchak. Yitzchak is the Hebrew for Isaac. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, that, so those sites are ready and um, beaming with content. So, um, yeah, I hope everyone, uh, hope everyone enjoys. Uh, the YouTube, YouTube has got a lot of content, but it's cut up. And on the Breakthrough Matrix, Matrix.com, it is um, packaged nicely. So um, go out. Beautiful. Yeah, I strongly recommend if anyone's listening and you've gotten this desire, this urge of, I want to talk to this guy again. I want to work with this guy. I want to find out more about what he's got going on. Look at all the links. I'll have them in the show notes as well. And it's a beautiful rabbit hole to go down and it just might change your life. <laughs> 
<laughs> and again, if this is conversation has been valuable to you, first and foremost, listen to it again. Kind of like Duran said before about his videos, you listen to it now, listen to it again, take notes, dive into it. What can you take from this to begin improving your life immediately? You don't have to wait. In addition, if this is if this landed for you, please share this with someone who could benefit from it. Share Duran with somebody who could benefit from him. Maybe it's not you, maybe it's someone that you know. And leave a review, whether it's on Apple or Spotify or it's a YouTube comment, wherever you're listening, it would really mean a lot. Duran, is there anything you'd like to say before we close? No, I've, uh, I've really had an awesome, awesome time. Um, thank you very much for having me. Um, yeah, I think you're doing great work. And it's been a very an honor and a privilege to be here with you. Thank you. The feeling is mutual. Thank you, man. And as I said at the start, my life's work is to help leaders, champions, and high performers to create an extraordinary life without regret. If you're going through something in your life right now and I could be of support, I'd love to have a conversation with you. You can schedule that on my website, which is just jamilsayage.com. If you're looking to follow the podcast and you're looking at other episodes, obviously they're all on all the different podcast platforms, but you can also check out social media. Instagram is at Dr. Jamil Syage, which is DR and then my name and Facebook and LinkedIn are just Jamil Syage. There's probably almost 900 pieces of content that have been out there over the last six, seven years. And I've been blessed to hear people tell me about how impactful it was for them. It's all free. Check it out. I, I trust it'll really serve you. Again, this, this podcast is called Transformation Starts Today for a reason. I have found that most people's favorite day to change their life is tomorrow. And that's why they stay stuck. But you can be different. You can listen to our conversation. You can apply immediately. You can reach out for the help that you need, whether it's from Duran, from myself, from somebody else, and take action. And I always like to think of it as, what would my future self thank me for? Go do that, and your life can transform today. Take care. Thank you for being with us today. If this conversation served you, it would mean a lot if you left a review and shared this with anyone who may benefit. An extraordinary life without regret is available to you now. Choose it. It's your time.